0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. So, he told you my name is Ron, and uh, we have about 25 minutes to dive in to answer that question, what is God like? Actually, only one part of it. I want to say something to those of you who are online. We are the church, and the church is... Whatever group of people gathers together to learn about God and to worship Him and to express our thanks. And that means wherever you're viewing, or even if you're listening to a podcast in the car, you are part of our church this morning, and I just want to welcome you as a part of our church. So, what is God like? You might not realize it, but the answer to that question is, actually forms the foundation for everything about your faith life. How you answer that question. And maybe it's not so much how you answer it with your lips. Because most of us kind of know the right answer. But what's more important is how your heart defines who God is. Because all of your faith life will flow out of that. And in the end, it's the foundation upon which all of your faith either stands or falls in a time of crisis and trouble. So we want to build that foundation strong. We want to build it correctly. And we want it to be stable to endure anything that life brings our way. Now, last Sunday, Joel showed us this slide of an elephant. And it's it's the visual depiction of the old story of the four blind people who were asked to describe what an elephant is like. And one of them grabbed the tusk and said, ooh, that's kind of pointy on the end. The elephant must be like a spear. Another one grabbed the trunk, said feels like a massive snake. It must be like a big snake. Another one grabbed the tail and it felt kind of like a husky rope. And the elephant must be like a rope. And you and I can step back and we know that while all of those things seem true, they don't give an accurate depiction of what an elephant is actually like. And you and I kind of have the same natural tendency. It's very easy to get a hold of a part of who God is and then to think, oh, I know what God is like. If you grew up in a church or you have grandparents who kept you when you were a kid and took you to church, um, you probably came away with some idea of what God is like. So I want to tell you a story about me. My dad was a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. I went to church hmm, about 200 times a year, okay? And I still became a pastor. What's up with that, right? Um, And the churches that I grew up in Um, though they would read through all these passages about God, in the end, what was conveyed to all of us who went was that primarily God is a judge who sits in the heavens and watches what we do. It's, It's the religious side of he's making a list and checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. The only problem is In our minds, Santa Claus is way more gracious than God because no one is ever on the bad list. Have you noticed that? No one ever goes to the tree and there's nothing but a note from Santa Claus saying work harder next year. But we have no problem believing that about God. So I'm going to show you the lyrics of a song we used to sing all the time when I was a kid. Verse one goes like this. All along on the road to the soul's true abode, there's an eye watching you. Every step that you take, this great eye is awake. There's an eye watching you. And just in case you didn't get it out of the verse, the chorus goes, watching you, watching you. Every day, mind the course you pursue. Watching you, watching you, there's an all-seeing eye watching you. Now, in my kid's mind, I had heard God sat on a throne in heaven, and my first image in my mind of God was this massive throne in heaven with a giant eyeball (laughs) on it, and it was amazing because no matter where I went, the eyeball tracked with me, right? Yeah. Huh. You see, that was my perspective of who God is. You and I all have a perspective, and it's the result of what we've heard on TV, what we've seen in movies, what teachers have said to us at school, what our parents say to us, what our grandparents say or said to us. All these things become inputs that, that sort of shape and form in our mind and in our heart who we think God is, and based upon that answer, we begin to tailor our behavior around that, and we begin to build our faith on that platform. Now, God knew that we were like a bunch of blind people trying to figure out what an elephant is like, and He watched people struggle for several millennia to figure out What God is actually like. And he realized that you and I were never, ever, ever going to get to the proper understanding of God on our own. So God sent a major assist in the form of Jesus. And Jesus made a bold statement one day when he was having a conversation with his closest followers. Take a look at this conversation. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And oftentimes, if you've been to church at all, you've heard that verse. But most of the time, how it gets interpreted is not, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's like, I am the way to the truth and the life. And I will point you in the right direction. But that's not how Jesus applies this at all. Notice, he goes on to explain No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. And here's the statement I want us to get. To know me is to what? Know my Father too. Let's read that out loud together. Ready? To know me is to know my Father too. And he goes on to explain And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and you have experienced him. Wow. Philip, who was one of his closest followers, goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I get all that stuff. But Jesus, if you would just show us the Father, that's all we really need. I, I love Jesus' answer to Philip. He's got all kinds of patience with him. Notice how Jesus follows up. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time. And you still don't know who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Wow. Jesus is saying to Philip, Philip, I'm not just another human being. I am God in human flesh. If you've seen me, you have seen God. So that leads us to a really important truth. If we want to know what God is like, well, Jesus is our best resource. Not what you, I love the Bible, I'm teaching you from the Bible. But your best resource is not to go dig out every verse in the Bible about God and do an exhaustive study. I'm convinced that if you could spend one day with Jesus, you would learn more about God than 10 years of reading commentaries and writings of other people and studying various scriptures. That leads us to an interesting question. What's the best way to know Jesus, what Jesus is like? I I have an idea. If you really want to know what someone is like, Go on a backpacking trip with them for a month. You will learn more than you want to know, I'm sure. You will learn how they smell. You will learn what they eat, what they don't eat. You will learn what their daily habits are. You will learn what their limitations are. You will find out what they're like when they're hot and cranky and and hangry. You will find out if they're an early riser or late riser, whether they like to get up or not get up. You will find out so many things about them. Well, fortunately, we have the writings of some people who were with Jesus for three years, not one month, three years, and pretty much 24-7. They got to know him better then probably you or I know anyone maybe except for our spouse and our children. 60 years after his day-to-day experience with Jesus when Jesus was physically on this earth, John, one of Jesus' three closest friends, writes this. And you can tell as John writes it, it's 60 years later but it's as fresh in his mind and heart as if it had only taken place yesterday. Look how he writes about Jesus. He said, we saw him with our very own eyes. We gazed upon him and we heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him. The one who was from the beginning, the living expression of God, the life giver was made visible. That means he was made human and we have seen him, we testify to this truth. The eternal life giver lived face to face with the Father, and he has now dawned upon us. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about the life giver so that we may share and enjoy this life together. You know what John was really saying? I saw God. I touched God. I heard God teach. And you know what he's basically saying? And I've never been the same since. Can I just say to you that not in that physical sense, but in the sense of faith and true life experience, Joel said it earlier, one of the reasons we gather on Sunday morning is so that we can encounter Jesus. And I want to invite you, no matter who you are, to encounter Jesus. Even those of you at home, viewing on your TV or your tablet, this is our time to encounter Jesus so that we can truly say, I have been With Jesus. I feel like. I have reached out. And touched Jesus. Now he goes on to write this. And truly our fellowship. This is the result. Of actually being with God. And truly our fellowship. Our relationship. Our connection. Is with the father and with his son Jesus. The anointed one. We are writing these things to you because we want to release to you our what? Fullness of joy. I want us all to understand that there's this direct connection between being with Jesus and fullness of joy. Can I just say you can't get fullness of joy from being with an all-seeing eye? That's not going to happen. That's just the wrong perspective. Now, Jesus wasn't done revealing what God was like. And one day, his closest followers came up to him. And, well, let's just read it. Here's here's how Jesus actually, Luke, tells the story. One day after Jesus finished praying, one of his followers said, Master, teach us to pray. Now, let's get something straight. Praying is talking to God. Okay? That's what it is. So they said, they were basically saying to Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to talk to God. And here's how Jesus started. So he said to them, this then is how you should pray. And what are the next two words? Our Father. If you grew up with a Catholic background, this prayer is called the Our Father Prayer, correct? Yeah. Because the very first, and the most important thing that Jesus came to, to correct in us about God is we had part of God, but what we were actually missing was the heart of God. And the heart of God is that He chooses to be a Father to us. So Jesus said the first thing that you need to know when you pray is you're not talking to God out there. You're not talking to an all-seeing I. You are talking to your Father. And if He's your Father, then you are my kids. Now, God had been trying to say this to this for hundreds of years. We just weren't getting it. And no matter how many times He put it in the Old Testament, His people just weren't getting it. Because hundreds of years before Jesus was born, look at what the Old Testament prophets said. God says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I will live in them and I will walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. And we just went, huh? We didn't get it. It wasn't until Jesus came that we could even begin to get a handle on that. So I want to spend the next few minutes exploring. There are so many of these, but I want to explore with us just three things that a perfect father does. And before we get into those, I want to talk to those of us that our father was anything but a role model for us. Because I realize when we talk about God being our father, the most natural thing for you to do is to pull up in your mind the image you have of your own dad. So let's talk about this for a minute. You and I, we didn't get to choose our parents. Right? That's okay. They didn't get to choose us either. (laughs) All right. So we both find ourselves in the boat of life together. And regardless of what your father was or wasn't to you, you know what I know about you and me? On the inside, we all have a model of what we know a father should be. Don't we? That's why you grieve if your experience wasn't like that. Because you actually internally know what a father should be. So for the next few minutes, if you could set aside who your earthly father was and what he was like. And you can put in place of that the model of a father that you have that's kind of born into all of us. And let's look at three things a perfect father does. Number one is this. A perfect father loves his kids with an undying love. It's inexhaustible. A perfect father has such deep love and such deep compassion and such a complete bond with his children that it's unbreakable. No matter what the child does, it's unbreakable. Because a perfect father loves perfectly. I remember when my kids were young, laying on the bed with them And they would snuggle in next to me and I would put my arm around them. And there were times when I felt like I just can't get close enough to this child. They're right here. They're hugging me. I'm hugging them. But I would like to be closer. John, one of Jesus' three closest friends, notice what he writes. Look with wonder at the depth Of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved what? Children. Look with wonder at his love. Now I think many of us get it here. But I think we might struggle to get it here. So I'm going to throw some pictures up here on the video screens and ask some questions. Do you like that picture? Can you see yourself in that picture? Maybe you're new and young in your faith, and you're like a small child. Maybe more importantly, can you see God in that picture with you? Can you see yourself doing that with God? That is what fathers and kids do. And when God says to you, I'll be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. He wants you to snuggle in and to feel how very close he is, how much he loves, his strong and reassuring hands. Look at this picture. Maybe you're more like a teenager. Can you picture God putting his arm around you and the two of you going for a stroll? And he just loves to be with you. And maybe. Unlike your earthly parents. He's not even trying to fix you. He's just with you. Or maybe it's like this picture. Maybe you're. More mature in your faith. You've got years of walking with Jesus under your belt. You're more like a married son or a married daughter. Can you see yourself resting your head on God's shoulder? Can you feel Him draw you close? And here's my favorite picture. When you know God... And when God is truly your Father, you know these two little squirts? They have no idea what's going on in the world, do they? Afghanistan could be falling, right? It doesn't make any difference. We could be in a drought. It could be fire season. It doesn't make any difference. Because when God is truly your Father, you can sleep no matter what's going on around you and you can kick back and even yawn at the world and its problems. God says, I will be a father to you and a father loves his children with an undying love. The second thing is this, a father forgives his children when they mess up, anybody mess up? Yeah, good. Some of you are messing up right now because you're not raising your hands. You just failed the honesty test, all right? We all mess up. Guess what? Messing up is what kids do. You've never had a kid that didn't mess up. It's not what we do on purpose. It's what we do by nature. You understand the difference? Messing up is part of being a human. I I shared this story with some of you, maybe a year and a half or two years ago. I was sitting with God one day, and and I don't even know how we got onto this subject, but I remember God saying to me, Ron, I think you would like yourself if you just weren't human. And my response was, yes! (laughs) Yes! And as I began to process that with him, here's literally what he said to me. He said, Ron, I like you as a human. I made you as a human. I know, but God, I mess up. I do. God says, I know, we're going to work on that later. We've got eternity to work that out. But for right now, I want you to like you as much as I like you. Wow, a perfect father forgives his children when they mess up. When they come and ask for it, you forgive them, right? There's not a parent in this room that when your kids have come to you and said, mom and dad, I'm so sorry, would you forgive me? Is that hard to say yes to? No, you know what? It's hard not to say. It's about time. But the actual forgiveness part is not hard. And you know, as parents, we often forgive our children even when they don't ask, right? Because if you don't, you won't be much of a parent. Because perfect parents forgive their children when they mess up. Here's what God said. He said, I will be their loyal God. That means father. And they will be my loyal people, my children. Everyone will know me inwardly. That means at a heart level. From the most unlikely to the most distinguished. And notice how eager God is to forgive. For I will demonstrate my mercy to them and will forgive their evil deeds and never again remember their sins. Wow. There's a statement from the Amish community that we would do well to learn. If you live in an Amish community and you mess up, okay? You go to the leaders of the church or you go to the person that you have messed up against. You confess what you have done. You ask for their forgiveness. And here's the part that we could learn from. They will all say this. You are forgiven and I will never speak of this again. Wow. That's what a perfect father does. You are forgiven. And I will never speak of this again. A third thing a perfect father does is a perfect father goes out to find his kids when they're lost. If you've ever had kids, you know that getting lost is what kids do. They're not even trying. They just wander. And the next thing you know, They look around, where's mom and dad? And of course, mom and dad look around, where's the kid? I remember one day I was with my parents, and I have a younger brother who was born when I was 17, a senior in high school. So he was a little tyke of about two, between two and three, and we were at the Iowa State Fair, and we turned around and Rich was gone. And you do not want to lose your kid at a state fair. There are hundreds of thousands of people there in acres and acres and acres. Scary, scary moment. I'll never forget the panic on my parents' faces. It was way different than the panic on my face. I loved Rich, but not like they did. <laughs> First time I went to change his diaper, he peed me right in the face. Yeah. I loved him, but not like they did. And they were panic-stricken. And I remember trying to be the sage person on the scene. Relax, Mom and Dad, we'll find him. (laughs) I was not comforting, that's for sure. And we were all so glad when about two minutes later over the PA system came this message. If you have lost a little two-year-old boy with blonde hair and brown eyes... We have him at the administration building. Wow. We ran to the administration building. Why? Because a perfect father will do whatever it takes to find a child that is lost. Jesus told a story about this one day, and I want to read us this story as we bring this to a conclusion. He said, there was once a shepherd with 100 lambs, but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in the open field, and he searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb, and he didn't stop. Until he finally found it. And with exuberant joy he raised it up. He placed it on his shoulders. And he carried it back with cheerful delight. A perfect father. Goes out and finds his children. When they are lost. Let's take a look at the words that are in red. Said one of his lambs wandered away. Again, we've all been there, and perhaps some of us in the audience today, some of us watching online, if you're listening in a podcast or whatever, some of us are truthfully, we're just lost. We're in this place in life where we don't know what to do, and we may feel trapped and we're confused. God has a message for us. Wandered away. And we're lost. He left the 99 good lambs out there in the open field. And he searched in the wilderness. You know what I know about you and me? We do not get lost in convenient places. (laughs) And when God has to come after us, it's not easy for him ever. When he found it, with exuberant joy, he placed it on his shoulders. My parents loved us dearly. My mom loved us dearly. But I can remember times when I messed up and my mother put out her hand. And when she put her hand out, we knew what was expected. You take it. And she said, boy, you're coming with me. And my feet could hardly keep up with her, right? And my little toes were just kind of touching the ground every once in a while. And I didn't know where that journey was going to end, but I knew it was not going to end with a lollipop and a celebration. Yeah. Notice the difference. The shepherd, when he finds the lamb, He doesn't drag it home. He doesn't throw a leash around its neck and say, hey, you're coming with me. He picks the lamb up. He puts it on his shoulders and he carries the lamb home. We're going to close with three separate invitations. And each one is really important. So whatever you're doing right now, if you could just focus in, if you're at home and you're multitasking and you've got the teaching going on in the background and you're doing whatever you're doing, I want to encourage you, stop right now and just go sit in front of your TV or iPad or whatever you're using. If you're driving down the road and you're listening to a podcast, this podcast. If you can do it, just pull over to the side of the road, find a place where you can sit for five minutes because the next five minutes are probably the most important part of what we're gonna do today. We're gonna ask three really important questions and they're right where you and I live. And the first one is this, who needs a ride on our Father's shoulders today? Who's discouraged? Who's struggling? Who's in a a battle for your faith? Whose faith has taken a hit? Who's just received news that has shaken you to your core? Yeah, who needs a ride? Who needs to feel Jesus picking you up, putting you on his shoulders, and carrying you from where you are to where you not only need to be, you want to be? If that's you, we're or if it's me, we're going to take just a moment And we're going to give each of us a chance to pray. And if there's some area in your life where you need a ride, you need a lift from Jesus, then talk to him about that right now. Father, thank you for lifting us, for carrying us. And I know it doesn't say it in the passage, but it kind of hints at it, that when you put us on your shoulder with exuberant joy, you kind of dance on the way back. God, would you dance with us on your shoulder? Would you carry us from where we are? To where we want to be and where we need to be. Our second question is this. Who has something that you'd like to be forgiven of today? We've all done this. We mess up. And when we mess up, we feel bad. And sometimes we even beat ourselves up. And we swear to ourselves, I'm never doing that again. I hate myself when I do that. It could be anything from yelling at your kids to something you know, far more heinous than that. I'm amazed in my own life, how often I will beat myself up without ever going to God and asking for forgiveness. That somehow I feel like if I beat myself up enough and if I correct my behavior enough, God will just forgive me as if I could actually earn that forgiveness. That's not how fathers forgive. I don't know your life, I know God does, not from the all seeing eye perspective. But just from the same perspective that very seldom did your kids divulge something to you that you didn't know already that they were doing. That's what fathers do. Mothers do that too. This is a moment for us to say to God, in this area of my life, I'm so tired of carrying the guilt and the shame of this thing that I've done. I want to bring it to you And I want to hear you say what the Amish people say. You are forgiven and I will never speak of this again. And while you process that with God, I want you to know what he will say to you. He will say to you, and if I never speak of it again, what do you think is coming back? I don't want you to ever speak of it again. It's done. Let's take a moment and process those things with God and whatever in your life you want to be forgiven of. Would you process that with Him right now? Father, thank you for being the father that never brings up past mistakes, that truly just says, hey, you are forgiven, and I will never speak of this again. God, thank you for taking the things we've just laid out before you and cleansing us and taking away the guilt. Would Would you help us to trust you with the shame so we don't carry the shame either? And would you give us pure and clean and fresh hearts? The third question is this, who would like to step into the family of God by choosing to become his child today? This is the interesting thing about the family of God. No one is born into it. No one is forced into it. The family of God is a voluntary family. And here's the whole point. God has already volunteered to be your dad. He's waiting for you to volunteer to be his child. That's how the family of God works. So if you're ready to make that choice, you've heard enough today, you've heard how much God loves you, you've heard the kind of father he is, and you're ready to make that choice then I want to lead you in a very simple prayer so you can bow your head and you can pray this prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud, but you can pray it in your heart and mean every word. Loving Father, thank you for volunteering to be my dad. I accept that offer today. I'm excited about that offer. I don't even know what all that means, but I trust you, I know you're good, I know you love me, and I know that you will take me to the places I want to go, even, even though I don't even know what they are right now. But I know the places that you have chosen for me are good, and they will bless me, and they will bless those around me. So today, I choose to be your child, And I make that choice through Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.